John chapter, I was afraid if I would said John chapter 7, I might make enemies. But we are going to look at a couple verses from John 7 this morning. But uh, our destination is John chapter 8, verse 12. And you'll have to, I've been cramming for, for a midterm exam, so I got all kinds of pages of information on the canon and inerrancy and and all that stuff. I, it, when you study for exams, I do acronyms, right? They're just things that, to, to bullet points. So if I start speaking acronyms, it's not tongues. It's just different stuff that's stored away up in my brain. But we, we better pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you again just for this morning. Lord, we thank you for just your truth. We thank you for the light. We thank you for the beginning when that light peered into our own darkness, Lord, and we saw our separation, we saw our confusion, uh, we saw just how desperate we were, Lord, and that gospel pierced through that. And we made that decision, Lord, and, and we stepped onto that train. And I'm so thankful for, for that place. And if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't placed their faith in Christ, hasn't been born again, hasn't stepped into that spiritual life, Lord, I pray that this morning's that day. They would clearly hear the gospel. They would see that Jesus is the light He's the light of the world. He's the one that we need to follow. He's the one that, that leads us away from, out of, through the darkness, Lord. And he gives us the light of life. Lord, I pray that um, that would be the loudest message this morning. Lord, the, the message of John 8, 12, the message of Christ, the light that He came to bring. I pray that You would lead us, You would try and well, not you try, that we would try and quiet ourselves, Lord, to, to hear you speak, and that you would lead us through this study. In your precious name, amen. Well, th- this week, again, our destination is John chapter 8, verse 12. Um, just kind of took an outline of, of looking at the spiritual condition of the people that Jesus is speaking to, the choice that they had to make, and it, there's always a conclusion to that. And this week is as I was reading through these chapters, and it's kind of, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but my pages are getting polished enough I can't write on them anymore. Right? The, the pen won't take, take ink to it. And I think that's a, a good thing. But, but the thing that's really challenged me this week was the illustrations that Jesus was using here as he taught. Right? We know a parable is something you lay down beside the truth and it explains it to the people and gra- they grasp it where they're at. But Jesus in this discourse, He's taking what these people are participating in. He's taking something that they've either just finished doing or they were in the process of doing to to just really place the truth and imprint it on their minds. Right? They take that illustration and impress it on their hearts. We think of the the living water in John 7.37 where He says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. They were participating in a water-drawing seminary, ceremony for the Feast of Tabernacles. They were, they were working through, they, they were chanting and saying Isaiah chapter 12 about the joy of coming to the well of salvation. It was something that they understood this verse that we're, our destination is in John 8:12 about I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. There's a specific illustration that Jesus uses to place this truth before them. But he's constantly using illustrations. Spiritual life, spiritual death. Light, darkness. Truth, right? And lies from the father of lies. That, that division and, and, and for me, it's just, and I know it's connecting those dots. There were several things, and, and we read through most of the text there earlier in the service, several things impressed on my heart as I read through these chapters this week. Number one, and that would be the first slide there, Edward. Number one was Jesus kept calling people to himself. Didn't matter what was going on, didn't matter what, what the, the, the oppression was, Jesus kept calling people to himself again with that luke 15 lost sheep of israel leaving the 99 going to that one right he would go to that place and he would present the truth and he would call them come to me 
Come to me. Come to the truth. Come to the light. Come to the living water. Right? It, 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 he kept calling people to Himself. Secondly, Jesus kept telling them what they would receive. He didn't hide anything. There wasn't any secondary, secondary agenda. There wasn't any uh, hidden motive. He put everything on the table. This is, this, is, this is what you will receive if you come and believe in Me. This is what you need, need to receive in order to have a relationship with the Father. There was always a clear choice. Right? It wasn't muddled water. It was always a clear choice. People don't walk away from Jesus because they don't know. And that's something really resentful. People don't walk away because they don't know. They choose to walk away from Jesus. Right? And that goes for the church. That goes for, for any, anywhere you see someone abandoning the faith. It's not because they don't know. It's because they're making a choice. Thirdly, as I am reading through these texts, Jesus kept contrasting their lives. Right? There was always a contrast. Light, darkness. Spiritually living or spiritually death. Truth or lives. There was always a contrast in, in what they were living or what they were following with what God was offering. God's standard always meant examining your life. When Jesus spoke, it was God's standard and it, and it was intended for you to look and examine your heart. Lastly, and, and, and sometimes I'd, I think in, in reading these, and it would be back when I was still reading them in a, a story uh, form, Jesus kept applying spiritual pressure to the spiritual condition of the people. There was a pressure on there. As Jesus spoke the truth, those that, that, that were following lies, following the world, there was a pressure on their spiritual condition. Jesus was doing what the Spirit does now. Right? As He spoke the truth, Right? as He was convicting in John 16:8, is that uh, when the Spirit comes, He'll convict of sin, of righteousness, right? of what's right before God, and of judgment, that there is a day of reckoning coming. Right? There's a seriousness to this life that we need to have. And when Jesus spoke, whether it was a parable, or whether it was uh, preaching in the temple, or whether it was rebuking, or, or, or with that woman, when Jesus spoke, there was a pressure on the spiritual condition of the people through His preaching of the Gospel and the teaching. But even with all those points, the calling, um, telling them what they would receive, contrasting their lives, and applying that spiritual pressure, even in God's eternal plan of salvation, as He's offering God's righteousness to humanity, the people still had to make a choice. The people, people still had to respond. The message, the truth was presented the light was shining, but it still rested on the people. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But it rests on the people's decision. It rests on them seeing their condition before God. And this is a great place to start anytime we open the Bible. Seeing your condition, your spiritual condition before God. Right? These people that Jesus is speaking to had to see themselves as guilty had to see themselves as a sinner, had to see themselves as being separated and lost before God. And for the people that Jesus is speaking to and, 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 and staying with that light, that they had to recognize that they're in darkness. And that's sometimes a hard thing to do when you're living in the world and you're loving every minute of it. Right? And, and, and you're enjoying and the, the lust of the flesh are being satisfied, the desires of your heart are being met. It's hard to stop. And recognize that you're a sinner. Recognize that you're lost. Recognize that you're, you're walking and living, groping blindly through darkness. It's not an easy thing to do. These people had to see their condition before God, hear the words of Jesus, the truth of the Word of God, the Gospel which was to lead them to Christ. Lead them to the salvation that He had come to bring. Lead them to that light, that Gospel, that truth that He was presenting to them. They had to see their condition and then they had to make a choice. Krista mentioned last week as we were watching the message at home um, so I can learn as well and it processes better the, the second time, I think. And 
as that works. Those that preach know that. Um, she said, sometimes you have to be careful that you don't hit all the hard points right at the start, right? But it gets serious when you start realizing what Jesus was presenting to these people. There was a choice that was needed to be made that didn't just affect them in the present. It was going to affect them eternally. Right? That choice was going to, to lead them heaven for receiving God's righteousness right? or a very real hell for rejecting what only God can give. Right? And that's the righteousness of our salvation. They either, for the Jew, they either believed that Jesus is the Son of God and allowed Him to lead them into that promised righteousness He had brought Israel in the New Covenant as the Messiah, or they rejected truth. They rejected truth and continued, and there's a reason why we read this, they, they rejected truth and continued in the lies the Father of lies was leading them in. Right? It was either believe that Jesus is the Son of God or reject truth. To be led in the world, an orderly arrangement of those who do not belong to God, led in spiritual confusion. And I want you to think of today, right? what does spiritual confusion look like in your life? And it may not necessarily be in your life, but in your bubble there is spiritual confusion. Darkness. That, that word darkness in the Greek that we'll read means obscurity. Dimness. Right? There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a groping. I think of Romans 1, that debased mind groping through life. They reject truth to be led into an eternity without Christ, separated from God because of your rejection of the Gospel and what Christ did on Calvary. Just to, to end that seriousness of the introduction, John chapter 8, verse 21, and I hope this spoke to you as we read it earlier. Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Verse 24, Therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. You either believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He brought that salvation, or you will die in your sins. And that's when you stand before the great white throne judgment and you hear that word, guilty. Guilty. For us this morning, as you listen, this is not just about this life. It's about Christ. It's about eternity. Each of us will be held accountable for our spiritual condition before God. Right? Each of us will be held accountable for the choices that we make. There is a conclusion to our reality and earthly Christian walk according to the truth. Right? According to the light that Jesus came to bring. There's a choice. It's okay, buddy. You're okay. So with that being said, and I'm thankful for the nursing homes that taught me how to just kind of keep collecting your thoughts, and I know God helps me, but children are meant to be seen in the church. And sometimes heard goes with it. Um, verse 40 of John chapter 7. So we see the result of that, right? We're looking, we're looking this morning at the condition of the people, the choice that's offered, and there's always a conclusion to that. So Jesus presents living water, and we see in verse 40, Therefore many of the crowd, when they heard this saying, Truly this is the prophet. Others said this is the Christ. But some said, Will Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? It's almost like everybody had their own opinion as to who Jesus was going to be, right? Their own camp. Uh, I almost want to say denomination at, at one point. They're their own followings, right? But we see in verse 43, so there was a division among the people because of Him. Condition, choice, conclusion. The spiritual conclusion of Jesus presenting the, 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 the living water, what was going to satisfy the thirst, uh, what they needed to believe in, is we find the people are divided over the truth of who Jesus is. Right? They're divided over truth. Why is that? Right? Why, why is that? Um, the bigger word for that that I keep going to the dictionary for is, is they approach God with presuppositions. Right? They've already made up their minds as to who Jesus the Messiah was going to be. 
They're, they're pre-programmed with what they're looking for, right? They have their idea of who their Jesus is going to be, and when He doesn't meet that standard, then they're done. There's division. I think of today, of, of how many conversations I have with people who, who say they, they love Jesus, but it's a, they, they have this picture, they have this pre-programmed idea of a loving Jesus and not a judgment seat Jesus. Right? Or they have this, 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 this preconceived idea of a man Jesus that they can relate to and He knows without the second person of the Godhead, God Jesus. Right? There's, there's a division when you, when you come. How does this happen? How, how, how does it happen when we come to God with, with wrong, wrong opinions right? and, and we miss the truth of who He is? It comes from listening the wrong messages, right? following the wrong teachers, right? prioritizing the wrong things. If it's not in the text, we're going to be led into these divisions, led into these, these, these different uh, emphases on the, the wrong truths. For these people listening that are in division, it wasn't that complicated. Right? And I mean, it's easy for me to sit here on this side of things, but they had the Scriptures they had the Son of God standing before them, explaining, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He's been telling them the Son of God. He's been showing them. It wasn't that complicated for them to understand who Christ is. We understand today faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. These people had the truth. They were receiving the truth. They had Jesus, God in the flesh, telling them, I have come from heaven. A God has sent me. I, I've come to do the will of the Father. All they had to do was believe. Believe He was the Messiah. They had to connect the dots as to what God said prophetically with what God was saying presently and believe. Which is why Jesus says, it's, it's blessed are those who do not see and believe. John 10 or 20 Verse 29, when you think about it, right, prophetically they had to connect the dots with what Jesus was saying so that they knew who they were looking for. And it's the same for us. Right? We, we need to be reading our Bibles. We need to be learning and, and gaining an understanding of who Jesus is so that we know in that voice. Right? We're looking for that voice. We're looking for His presence. We, we're, we're anticipating stepping in face to face with Jesus. Right? We need to know who He is comical side of things when I thought to this division and how many different opinions that's going on here. I said, knowing Christ is not a Finding Waldo journey. Remember those books? You come in there and try and find Waldo. It's not a Finding Waldo journey. He's right here. Right? For the Jew, he was standing right before them. For us, we don't have to wonder. As we read through the pages of Scripture, Jesus is right here. All these people had to do was believe and allow God to show them. For us, it's the same thing. Jesus is right here. And one of the biggest, biggest things for me is, is when I think about the children. Right? The children ask us questions. It's just simple. They're, how do I find Jesus? Or how do, I, how, how do I know Jesus? Or how do I meet Jesus? Simple responses be, go get your Bible, son. Let me show you. Let me show you who Jesus is. There shouldn't be division as to who the Son of God is. There shouldn't be a, a, a question. There should be a hunger for this. So the spiritual condition of the people, we find them in division as to the truth of who Jesus is. We see them faced with a choice. These people in this, these three verses, they're making choices. Our peers make choices. Our family members make choices. Right? Our, our, our friends, our neighbors, they make choices. As you see, truly this is the prophet. This is the Christ. Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not Scripture said that Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? They're making choices. At least here, they're consulting the Bible. They're consulting Scripture. Right, I think to, to the conversations we have today, as these people are, are turning back in their Bibles, sorting through what, what, what they're thinking, what they're looking for, what, what they feel is supposed to be right, at least Scripture is open. 
Because we live in a day and age where people are trusting ideas and concepts of God. Somehow, somehow they feel that, 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 that the idea, and some people are reaching back to their childhoods for an idea of who Jesus is. Some people are, are, are maybe a, a Facebook post. That's their grasp of who Jesus is, right? And we go through it. They're grasping and they're accepting those ideas as truth. This is your ground zero for who the Son of God is. The Word of God, he is, again, He is right here. And that choice needs to be made. The same way people turn to Google is how a believer is supposed to turn through these pages. Right? He's right here. The answers, the light, the light is right here. Jesus is here to the, to the church, to the believers. This isn't just the world anymore. These are people in the church. It, it, Jesus is not, and we'll, we'll just figurative, Jesus is not out there. You don't have to search. He's right here. He's right here. But they had to make the, the choice. Satan has led people to the place so they can continue their lives without verses. Raise children with closed Bibles. Understand to li- how to live in obedience before God through ideas. And somehow they still call it Christianity. Right? Because there's much division today. There's much opinion as to who Jesus is. There's much, much, much division and animosity, but this is closed. And then I can go on a rabbit trail with, with arguments I used to hear in the dorm. Right? If the Bible's not open, the mouth should be shut. Right? I mean, it's that simple. Right? But there's choices needed to be made. A personal note, um, sometime when my family's out, you can ask my family where I would be again if I didn't find my way to this book. If I didn't find my way to this light. And I say again because I've been on the other side of this. I, I've lived in that darkness. I, I've chose that darkness. If, if I don't come to this well and drink every day, I would be back there again. And that's a choice that needs to be made. Some believed in verse 40, truly this is the prophet. Um, this is the Christ speaking to the anointed Messiah of the new covenant. I mean, all, our, all the New Old Testament prophecy we've been looking at is towards the, the Holy One of God, Christ the Son of the living God. It, it's been such a good connection. Others challenged, will Christ come out of Galilee? And then we see their need for the Christmas story. Kind of makes us think of the importance of what we do December 25th in those services, right? Understanding prophecy. Understanding eschatology, right? It all stems from, from that, those first chapters of Matthew and Luke. But they reached the conclusion here. And we see that in verse 43. So there was division among the people because of Him. This division, and I want you to think of all the division in the history of the church, history of Christianity, history of your own circles. This division was not from a lack of God's absolute truth. It wasn't, wasn't a lack from God's truth. It wasn't a lack from evidence it wasn't a lack of, of witness. I mean, Jesus was healing and, 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 and teaching and preaching and providing food. It wasn't from lack. This division was because of their choice of unbelief. And then we're back to there was a rejection of truth. A rejection of light. It wasn't just a rejection of Jesus for salvation. They were rejecting God's truth, God's light. We need to remember this morning that when Jesus spoke, it came from heaven. Right? We've been through that. When Jesus spoke, those words came from God. If anybody should have understood that, it was the Jew in the house of God in the temple. It came from God. It came from the Father. It was the Father's will. It was the doctrine of Father. I'm not even sure how many other ways you could say that. Right? But when Jesus spoke, it was the words of God. And when you think there, if whenever there's a division, and we see that concerning doctrine, we see division concerning the gospel. I mean, how many different ways can you, can you, can you split up that need for Jesus as your personal Savior who paid the price for your sin? When there's a division towards faith and how to get saved, it always stems from stepping away from this. Right? Every time there's a division, stepping away from this and allowing opinion to step in. And I can't help but think, and I'm not sure where it picked it up there, 
just be my personal devotions too. Whenever there's opinion, it's always, you're grasping more of hath God indeed said than thus saith the Lord. Right? And that's what an opinion is. Right? You're taking a, a more of a hath God indeed said to go away from this rather than thus saith the Lord. Another way to say that is does God really mean it that way? And that's when you get on very shaky soil. Very shaky soil. So there's division among the people because of him. And again, what is the result? Denominations. No, I mean division. Yeah, that's, that's uh, again, that joke. Satan was blinding Israel with their own created idea of who God should be. Right? And it was Satan doing it, who, who the Messiah should be, what God should do. Right? And these divisions were opinions because Jesus had been sorting this out for three years. Three years of, of showing, doing, declaring, um, preaching, teaching. Three years. They, they were stuck in this opinion. Division was because some did not want the truth or the light. Let's just turn back to John chapter 1, and we'll just read through this. Jesus is standing before the words of God, the truth, the light, the gospel. Um, it helps us understand when these people were making that decision, right? that it's a clear-cut choice. Verse 1, John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, Logos, right? the source of life, the light. This is the, the truth that God was sending, the righteousness that, that God was offering to man. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. He was in the beginning with God. He was at creation. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. He is the Creator. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light capitalized in my Bible. The light, the gospel, the truth that all through him might believe. John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world, the image of God, the awareness, the Spirit. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He the light, Jesus, the Son of God, anointed Messiah, Holy One of God. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. He didn't want that light. Better turn to John chapter 3. Again, as Jesus is standing um, before the people there, He's been declaring the same message. His conversation with Nicodemus, John 3.16 for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, the light, right? the Word, the Son of God, Holy One of God, anointed Messiah. He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world or pass sentence, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned. There's a guilty sentence without believing in Jesus, believing that He's the Son of God, believing that He came with God's righteousness. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. And I want you just to pause and think of what's going on in our world, right? You know, we don't need to know all the details of what was going on in Judaism. We just need to look outside and see the illustration of this. And this is the condemnation. This is the guilty sentence. This is what drives the world. This is what drives the lost. That the light has come into the world, the orderly arrangement of those who do not belong to God, and men loved darkness rather than light. They don't want the truth. They don't want the gospel. They don't want Christ. They, they love darkness. 
Their light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. That's what truth does. That's what the Word of God does. That's what the law does. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. As we're walking with Christ, our deeds, we've come to the light. Right? There's seen being done in the light. There's seen being led of the Spirit. There's a clear contrast to that. But when the world comes face to face with truth, with the Christ, with, with, with the Gospel, that godlessness oppresses that. It pushes back. It rather stay in the darkness. That's what the world does. That's what the darkness does. It battles against truth, Christ, the Word of God, and the Gospel. So light, Gospel, truth, Christ. So then you step into to John chapter 8, verse 12. And you see that. That's the, the, the message. Jesus, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. I've brought God's Gospel. Repent, the Kingdom of Heaven is at hand. Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. I've brought the Gospel. The light, the truth, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And if we were to stick with the, the little outline here of seeing your spiritual condition, seeing that there's a choice, and seeing that there's a, a conclusion, the spiritual condition is these people that Jesus is speaking to are living in darkness. It's darkness. They're living blindly in darkness. They're heading towards an eternity separated from God to be spent in hell. Eternal darkness. Light darkness. That idea of, of debased minds. Right? Just, just, just groping. Groping at the meaning of life. I'm studying worldviews as well with part of that there. And, and, and what, you, what you say about God and say about the universe and say about man and, and say about the purpose of humanity and say about epistemology. Right? You're, 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 how do we know? Right? That drives yeah, what you believe about God. Right? You're looking for God or you're rejecting Him. There's a, a, a receiving that light or there's a blind groping going, why am I here? That's where these people were. They had religion, but, but they had darkness. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. They were faced with a choice. And Jesus does not beat around the bush here. For me this week, this, this ceased to be just a, one of the eight I am statements that I needed to remember for a test. It took on a different form. Here, this is where Jesus is saying, I see you. You are in darkness. You are lost. Your, your, your life, you're groping through. I mean, you think of, of the anxiousness and, and the depression and darkness and confusion and chaos that's going on today. Jesus is saying, I see you. You're in darkness. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in that darkness, right? that, 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 that life that you can't be happy living in, right? but have the light of life. Right, give you that purpose. Help you to find, find God's purpose for you being here. But the choice, there's a choice that needs to be made. This was a call, as Jesus says this verse, speaks these words, a call for a choice to be made. Every listener needed to make a choice. A decision needed to be made. And it's the same for this morning. Right, we're not allowed to, we're not allowed, we can, we're not supposed to uh, stand in that darkness. Right? We're supposed to come to that light. That means a choice needs to be made. Right? A decision needs to be made. And just as Jesus took hold of that Isaiah chapter 12 with the living water, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation that the people were participating in, Jesus steps into the courtyard of this temple. Right? Very real place. That's why I've been putting maps and pictures up. Right? We understand it's a very real place. Very real people. Jesus was teaching in a very real way. Jesus steps into the courtyard of the temple to imprint light and darkness on the minds and hearts of these people. Right? He's looking to impress this truth of, of, of truth and Satan's lies. 
right? Light and darkness. He's looking to teach it in such a way that it's going to impress itself on their hearts so that they'll, they'll never forget it. So I went to my books, and you start studying, and you start seeing, and I, I mean, I asked the questions, you know, why, why is this such a powerful verse to the Jew? Why was this illustration? Why, why the I am the light of the world? Why, why did he choose that above all things to, to, to speak about truth and darkness? It's not just a statement. It's not just a choice that, that's being given. The setting here, and, and, and you'll have to forgive me, we'll have to get a little bit of run out here, but the setting here is the Feast of the Tabernacles is just done, right? And they had been celebrating God's provision through the wilderness. Part of that Feast of Tabernacles is looking forward to the promised Messiah, the promised Messianic kingdom, right? And it, it is just, just closed. The commentaries are, are pointing me in the direction it's the day after. What makes being the light of the world such a powerful illustration of the Jewish people? It was all about Jesus using a visual. And this is where Jewish history comes into play. This morning I'd like to read just a couple paragraphs from uh, the Jewish Mishnah. Right? And I'll be reading it in, in English, so there's, there's, there's no worries there. Part of me um, wanted to put some Hebrew up so you could see. Maybe I'll do that last time. But uh, Hebrew is such a, a beautiful language when you see it um, written on page. But my computer doesn't like it. Well, have you worked on computers? Because you read Hebrew backwards. Right? You read it from right to left. So whenever you cut and paste Hebrew, it, the, the cursor just jumps all over and it does, does some little different things. But the Mishnah is an extra biblical source. Okay? And it records the oral and written tradition of Jewish practice. So all your different laws and regulations and feast practices, it, it, it has it in the Mishnah, okay, all the different things. Feast of Tabernacles, um, Sukkot is the name for it, and then it explains to us what exactly was going on at this place in the Feast of Tabernacles. And it covers a, a range of, of history from 450 B.C. to 200 A.D. Uh, in it as well. So I'd just like to read you just a, a couple paragraphs of here of what was taking place here at the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, so this is the Jewish textbook of traditions, rules, and feast practices. At the conclusion of the first festival day of Sukkot, which is the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, they descended into the women's courts and they would make there a great enactment and golden candlesticks were there and four golden bowls on the top of each of them and four ladders to each. It just got serious. What kind of candlestick do you need a ladder for? <laughs> That's a big candlestick. Uh, Ladders to each, and four youths drawn from the young priests. And in their hands there were jars of oil containing 120 logs, which they poured out into bowls. So all of a sudden you start realizing in the temple there was a reason why Jesus stood into the courtyard and said, I am the light of the world. In this courtyard there were four, and, and I'll reach out to another commentary here, there were four candelabras. Right? Eldina helped me with that word. Right? Candelabras and I think I'm saying that right, but they were 75 feet tall. They were gold. And at the top of them, there were bowls, right there where they would put oil in it. And these young lads that were selected, they would carry up 120 logs, which is a, a fuel or petrol or oil measurement. It's even today, I googled it this morning. Um, they would carry up 120 logs, which they poured into those bowls. Okay, so it's a pretty big thing. Jesus is standing there. There's four huge candlesticks um, for those interested, a log is a half a pint. Okay? So a half a pint equals one cup. So 120 cups equals 28 liters. 28 liters equals 7.5 gallons. And that's where the farm boy in me comes out. That's a five-gallon pail plus another half. And these young lads had to carry it up a 75-foot ladder. I know a 60-foot ladder is in three pieces, so this is getting pretty complicated, and I didn't like being up that one, with, let alone the... But anyway, not to get... But this is... Jesus steps into the, the courtyard. There's four candlesticks 75 feet tall in this temple. Okay? And Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So now it's like, okay, now I'm understanding what he's using, right? 75 feet tall. From the worn-out pants, back to the Mishnah, oral and written tradition of the rabbis. 
From the worn-out pants and belts of the priests they made wicks, and with them they kindled the lamps. And there was not a courtyard, and this is the, and there was not a courtyard in Jerusalem that was not illuminated by the light of that Bet Hashova. All right. Um, commentary: The light was so great that there was no courtyard in Jerusalem that was not lit up with light. Okay, think about it. If you go back a couple weeks, Jerusalem at that point was about 160 acres. You've got four candlesticks, 75 feet tall, with four basins of oil lighting up all of Jerusalem. Right? They, they, they just finished dancing and singing. Um, men of piety and good deeds used to dance before them with lighted torches in their hands. And they would sing songs of praises. And the Levites with innumerable harps and lyres and cymbals and trumpets and other musical instruments stood upon these 15 steps leading down to the court of the Israelites, to the court of the women, corresponding to the 15 songs of ascents and psalms. All right, so there's a great party. There's feasting. They're looking forward to the Messiah. Right? They're, 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 they're giving thanks. There's a lot going on here. We'll kind of wind it down. Then two priests stood by the upper gate, which leads down from the court of the Israelites to the court of women, with two trumpets in their hands. Right? And they start blowing these trumpets. And there's long blasts, there's short blasts, um, there's silence, and then there's long blasts. It's a ceremony. Right? You have thousands of Jews participating in this. Right? Some traveled all over, all over Israel. They would sound their trumpets and proceed until they reach the gate which leads out the east to Mount Olives. When they reach the gate which leads out to the east, they turn their faces from the east back to the city, back to the west, and said, and this is kind of where it gets technical, this is what they said, Our fathers who were in this place, their backs were toward the temple of the Lord. This is talking about all the rebellion, all talking about all the wayward ways of their people, all the wayward ways of Israel. Their back were towards the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the east and they worshipped the sun toward the east. All that pagan darkness. They were away from God. But as for us, and these people that Jesus is speaking to, right? as for us, our eyes are turned to the Lord. Rabbi Judah said they used to repeat the last words and say. And, and in creative, as I'm thinking of Jesus hearing and watching them do these things, they repeatedly say, we are the Lord's and our eyes are turned to the Lord. Right? They're facing the temple. We are the Lord's. Our eyes are turned to the Lord. Where has Jesus been teaching? In the temple. Where has Jesus come to? Jerusalem. Where, where is Jesus being rejected? In Jerusalem. Jesus says, I, I, you know, after all that festivity, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is standing in the courtyard temple under these 75-foot candlesticks, candelabra. He had, pardon me, he had the day before heard thousands of professing believers in Jehovah. Right? I mean, they're following Judaism. They heard thousands of professing believers in Je Jehovah say these words. We are the Lord's, and our eyes have turned to the Lord. He heard him say that. The same way millions of people, and I put this in brackets, attach themselves to Christianity today. I think of it. The same way these people are, are, are looking towards and saying, we are of the Lord, the Lord's eyes are turned, or pardon me, our eyes are turned to the Lord. It's the same way people attach themselves to Christianity today. Right? Without any idea as to who Christ is. They don't know that Jesus is here. They don't know who He shows Him to be. They don't know the foundations of, of what it means to place your faith in Christ. Their words, we are the Lord's and our eyes are turned to the Lord. Every part of me, understanding that Jesus would have watched this practice, watched this religion, Watch this, that, that God's not in. We are, of the Lord, we are the Lord's and our eyes are turned to the Lord. Jesus would have, and maybe it's the flesh in me, but I almost picture Jesus saying out loud, no, you're not. He had come. They were rejecting the light, rejecting the truth, rejecting the gospel. These people didn't know the truth. These people didn't walk in the truth or want the truth. 
Israel and its people are in darkness. Obscurity, dimness. They're wandering around without truth. They're wandering around without the hope that Jesus had come to bring. Verse 21, and again, if nothing else, put a star beside these verses because they're very clear. They're very simple. Chapter 8, verse 21. I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. These people needed to see their spiritual condition. They needed to see and make that choice. You can't hear those words and not be moved to a choice. You can't. I mean, even if you don't know anything about a church, you're going to be moved to a decision here. Verse 24, um, Jerusalem was in darkness. They were following a created religion. There was idolatry there. Verse 24, Therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am He, if you do not believe that He is Christ, the Son of God, that He came, God sent Him, He came from heaven, He came to provide that righteousness, provide salvation. If you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. It, the Gospel doesn't get any clearer than that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The house of God here, as Jesus is speaking, is functioning in darkness. They were teaching the law with no idea who Christ is and that shouldn't shock us. As there are many churches today that aren't teaching who Jesus is. Ideas, concepts, divisions, opinions. This, Jesus is right here. The choice that Jesus gave was this. If you want the truth, right? as he's saying, I am the light of the world. Right? He who follows me shall not walk in darkness and shall have the light of life. The choice Jesus gave was this. If you want the truth, because God's not going to force you. He's like that sheep. He's not going to force you. He's going to call out to you. He's going to show you, show you what he's offering. He's going to show you. He's going to put pressure on you. But, but, but it is you that needs to make that choice. If you want the truth, if you want that light of life, if you want to know God personally, if you want to know God intimately, Jesus is saying, I have the answers that you're looking for. I have the answers. I have the light to stop that empty void that so many people are trying to live this life with. That empty void. That empty purpose for life. That, that anxiousness. That, that, that thing that darkness hovers over us that we call depression. right? And, and the, many people are living today asking, what is the point of my life? Jesus is saying, I have the answers to that. Jesus is giving the choice. I have the truth that will bring the light to your path. I am the light of the world. The light. Decisions for your life. Right? You're finding out what God's will. I have, I have the light. I have the purpose. God's purpose for your life. I have the light that will set you free. How many people in our lives are in bondage? And I'm not talking chains. I'm talking about chains spiritually. Chains in their lives, decisions, even answering for things in the past. He has the light that will, will, will set you free. The truth will set you free. He has the light that will guard you against Satan's lies, right? That, that are constantly attacking you. He has the light that will open your eyes to God's plan in all of this. Can you imagine? No more unanswered questions. Right? No more aimless purposes. No more futile attempts at life. All you have to do is come to Jesus. Right? That light. And He'll lead you through that. I wanted to get energetic here and say, illumination, spiritual illumination, is an amazing thing. Pause and think. Can you remember a time in your life? Maybe it was before you were saved, maybe it was during a time of broken fellowship, can you remember not knowing what was next? And I'm not talking about decisions and all the details, just a, a place of groping. But then you come back to Christ. You come back to that light. You come back to that illumination and all of a sudden you're, you're walking hand in hand and there's nothing, nothing like it in the world. So the conclusion of this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You need to make a choice. Do you want what God says? And he's saying this in the temple. Do you want what God says? Do you want what God says is truth? Or do you want to remain in darkness? Right? Light, darkness. Truth, lies. 
life, spiritual death. And to the church this morning. Right? And I understand we're a little bit bigger with the online. For the church, there is only one light of the world. Right? God doesn't share that. There's only one light of the world, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to stop looking elsewhere. Right? We need to come to that light. For the church, there is only one way out of darkness. There's only one way away from darkness. There's only one way through darkness, and that is with this light. Right? That is with this light. There's only one way for His light to become your light of life. Right? There's only one way, and this is an important one. There's only one way to make this your light for life, and that is opening it and making it your life. Think with me. The situation. John 8, 12. Jesus was speaking to a mess. Jesus was speaking to a mess. He uses an illustration that they couldn't miss. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Me, but have the light of life. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we... We thank You for the lights and, and that seems to be permeating all service there this morning. Lord, we thank You for that. We thank You for the light. We thank You for the truth. Oh, we thank You for Your patience and grace. Lord, we thank You for Your second chances and third chances and on and on. But Lord, I pray that we take this very seriously. Lord, we are called to bear witness of that light. Lord, we're called to take that light. We're called to be salt and light. Lord, it's endless, this, this contrast. But Lord, we can't do it without having this light shine us the way. Lord, and we live in a mess. Lord, our world's a mess. Lord, our circles, our bubbles are in messes to a certain degree, Lord, and each situation's unique. But Lord, you've given us the answers. And I pray that you would burden our hearts with a flame. Lord, just a just to revive that light, Lord. Just revive us in, in, in what you promise, who you promise to be, Lord. I'm just thinking of that candlestick. Hide it under a bushel. No, it'd be awful hard to hide a 75-foot candlestick. Lord, that's what I want to be. Lord, I pray that you would just make that happen. Challenge us. Move us out of our comfort zones. Lord, strengthen us. We thank you for this morning. And uh, we thank you for all our children and our babies and, and all the, the energy that goes into to church life. Lord. Just bless our day, Lord, and help us to be that light. In your precious name, amen.